0: Would like to ask for your attention. Um, it's hardly believable that so many weeks have elapsed. Some of you have been here for been here with me for six week weeks. Some of you even longer. Um, Where has it all gone? Such a strange concept, time, sometimes fast and sometimes slow, sometimes rich and sometimes nothing seems to happen at all. It presents its own challenges, how it is to be remembered. Um, I trust that you will not easily forget uh, this time here you your practitioners um of great earnestness and whatever your expectations were for this retreat and whatever your experience was of this retreat um i am sure you have understood that, that your experience and your expectation is very likely to diverge in some way sometimes It is, we experience things that exceed uh, our expectations. Sometimes we are disappointed with um, ourselves, the place, the teacher, the teaching. Um, And sometimes we're, you know, we have unexpected encounters with parts of ourselves, with parts of a teaching which um, has hopefully come alive in some ways. Or has been uh, deepening your confidence that it is of value to be taken up and to uh, let your life be guided by. Departures are not easy for many of us in in a variety of ways. I. I. Um, I get kind of I generally get all the vuncular in departures. So I. Uh, I have a feeling I want to basically prepare dharmic sandwiches to take home. Right? <laughs> no, that's all. So. So. so I kind of um, I am poignantly conscious of all the things I have not spoken of, of all the things we have neglected, of everything that is that i can uh, I can think of quite a number of things that haven't done justice to. so I'll definitely will have to uh mm-hmm. own up for that one day when I <coughs> have to own up what I did with the Buddhist teaching um I have learned with you from you. I have been touched by you it is I don't want to. Just because I do most of the th- talking here, um, it doesn't mean that I don't get things from you. Yeah? I feel very rewarded by the, your dedication, your willingness to be part of this, to continue to be here. Um, I'm old enough to know that it is taking effort to apply oneself, to be and relate, and. Uh, plunge into one's own mind and cultivate one's own mind it is is work and takes energy to uphold a group a group ambience to uphold the the collective frame of a retreat Um, I would be very surprised if you were always keen and eager to listen to me so I appreciate your dedication to do this I appreciate your heart your willingness to let this do a job on you a practice, a situation, a teaching um, filtered um, through, in this case, my personal take on things, which is far from awakened. Um, you would have deserved better, that's my feeling. You would have deserved the Buddha, and all you get is crummy old can't you know. So, I um, want to thank you for your dedication. It is very meaningful to me that people take what is precious and meaningful to me, take up in the way you have done and make it yours. Yeah. If you want to make me a compliment, um, make it yours. That would be my greatest compliment. Just There will be stuff in there that is particularly for you and there's probably stuff in there that isn't really very crucial for you right now. So it, um, you know, in a way, disciples need to be smarter than teachers. You know, in the kind of the mythological spiritual path world, the teacher arises when the disciple is ready. Um, I've always found this to be not true. Um, I've always found uh, disciples or students need to really take good care to whom they listen to, with whom they associate. Um, In many ways they have to be smarter. The teacher's job is to be honest and basically say what he or she knows and hand that out in uh, possibly skillful, compassionate ways. Willing to to not be liked for what he or she has to say. Willing to say and uh, point to difficult things. So, um, as teachers we're always prone to seek the agreement of our listeners and uh, a compassionate teacher tries to be authentic in whatever degree of, he, of his or her realization is. Um, so uh, the guy, if he's genuine, will tell you what has helped him or what has helped her and will pass that out in ways that are palpable. But the student's re- responsibility is to actually find out whether you need this, yeah? whether this talks to the, the language that you can pick up. Um, whether the person in front of you is telling you right now what what they may be telling you right now may not be the most relevant message they have for you one of my teachers was famous for having very good samadhi and yet he always was slightly critical of people trying to get good Samadhi. You know, if you listen to just his talks, then you you would find quite a, a lot of criticism in the uh, concentrated effort to gain stillness of mind, because he uh, felt that people, in attempting to do so, would just get more crabby and more controlling and frustrated with themselves and with the conditions. And so if I listen to his a spoken message, then I would hear that message and I would think, yeah, okay, let's not do that. It just makes us crappy and controlling and uh, chances are we not even getting there or uh, the price is so high that we lose a lot of good stuff along the way. But then he would just sit down there and sit for four hours. You know? He didn't say anything. He just sat there for four hours and, uh, you know, bolt upright and you think, hmm, I wonder how these two go together, Yeah, So sometimes there is an implicit message and sometimes there's an explicit message and the student has to learn how to pick this up. If you're a smart student, you listen, you listen to different voices. You try to find out what different people have to say about this topic. And that is a responsibility that is with you as a practitioner, as a listener, as a student. Remember the word listener is the word for disciple in the old language. Asavaka or asavika for the female is literally meaning somebody who is willing to listen, somebody who is sitting down to listen, to expose and in a way um, become permeable to that teaching. And maybe also to some degree to whoever hands or conveys that teaching. It's the conduit is... Uh, likely to call it a message in some way. Some, sometimes this is inspiring, and sometimes this is not inspiring. Um, and the, the smart student, the smart listener, is capable of discerning there. What is message? What is my liking and disliking? Um, and what is the message? I would like to warn you, many of you have spent weeks here uh, in a sort of quite rarefied environment, high degree of safety, high degree of politeness, high degree of control, very predictable environment, low threshold of impingement, and that has had an impact on your mind. You may not be aware completely to the extent this has had an impact, Um, sometimes we don't feel gradual processes. So, if you will leave from here expect a few jolts. This is likely to occur. Those jolts will come in many ways. You may find um, your contemporaries rather speedy. Uh, you you may find human interaction to be fraught with delights and pain very close with each other. Yeah. A finger breath apart Uh, you will find ambiguities that somehow didn't seem so obvious when you were sitting here in the the laboratory conditions of the FR. You may experience uh, likely mood swings, even if you're not of the moody disposition. Um, This is not an indication that your practice doesn't work. This is not an indication that Buddhism uh, uh, doesn't do uh, good things in your life. this is not an indication that you now should um, stop meditating and take Ritalin or so. <laughs> it just means that your system will have to adjust again. So you, you'd be well advised to be somewhat careful where you go and how, how you handle intensity. Uh, even seasoned practitioners have quite dramatic uh, shifts both in their inner experience and in their uh, the reactiveness of the mind, it's easy to fall prey to thoughts that um, it was a waste of time, or I'm going to change this definitely, for never again in my life will I. And it is likely that the effect of a retreat is, is slow, and it it it's time that will that will really make you aware of things that have. Shifted that have changed that have uh, been in ways, and you have been altered by this. I am quite confident that you uh, cannot come here for six weeks and more to practice, and uh, that you will forget that. I don't think this is easily possible. You know, I mean, the human capacity to displace, deny, and forget is staggering. However, um, both as a as a teacher and as a um, as a therapist, I'm, I'm I'm a strategic optimist. I I could I could give up my professions if I wasn't thinking in the possibility for health, uh, well-being, and awakening. It's the uh, it's the Buddhist disciple that basically saves the therapist. To be honest with you, uh, therapy without the vision of Dharma seems a rather uh, sad craft but the horizon the um, promise of a buddhist vision for happiness maturity growth and awakening finally is uh has always been a great inspiration to me so consider take stock of your uh, where you are right now and it's good to affirm some of the things you you have found great clarity in. Uh, you have found um, conviction that this is something that needs acting upon in your life, then it probably does need acting upon. <coughs> Maybe you do need to make changes and it'd be good if you affirmed this right now. Not heroic things like, I will not miss a day, a day's meditation or so, uh, or um, I'll never be angry again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah remember uh, the bar for this is quite high you know if you're beyond desire and beyond anger the two of them are at the same level then you are basically an anagami yeah? so, you know so you've left the five lower fetters behind and weakened the five upper ones um so this is probably not the kind of determination that is useful but maybe you have other things that you know Ask for a change in your life. Ask for a redeployment of your resources. Time, attention, money. Um, Consider. Life uh, will kind of continue happening. And I trust that you know where the stuff grows. That you will know where to find inspiration. Where to find teaching. I... um, you have you're very privileged over here in the states you have many centers um, you happen to be uh, in a way the most privileged language insofar as uh, the majority of texts that have ever been translated into any other language uh, have i think are now in english uh, there may be still some competition the chinese did a really good job but massive translation efforts but i believe um by now, I guess it's probably English. So, you are privileged. You have probably the most access to this. If you, um, if you speak a useless language like Swiss German and grow up in this, like myself, then uh, this becomes very obvious an advantage. You may not think this is an advantage if you grow up in Northern America and uh, all the people around you speak English. Um, So, consider yourself privileged, and there is no shame attached to privilege, but there is a duty attached to privilege. The duty is making use of privilege and being good stewards, good stewardship with your privilege. There's many ways you can make this practice alive. You don't need to end up in a monastery. If you do feel like uh, wanting to end up in a monastery, this is increasingly also possible. Uh, More monasteries are happening. Uh, The women's community is growing. Bhikkhunis have finally, after a thousand year lull, uh, emerged on the map again. So uh, even if you do want to go to a monastery, you probably have more opportunities than um, generations before you. Uh, But there are many ways you can practice. There are many ways. The yoga of relationship doesn't just happen in monasteries. The yoga of meditation, contemplative inquiry, doesn't just happen in monasteries or in retreat centers. Um, Remember that one of the clear comprehensions, there is one of them, the fourth one, which has two parts. The first part was asking after, what is my specific meditative exercise? being clear in detail is useful not because detail is going to fix everything but it's a skill to be able to be clear precise and tender it's easy to be clear and precise and clinical uh, and it's clear it's easy to be soft and um, and tender and be completely foggy about it that's also possible the art really is being both clear and precise and gentle. Um, the other part of that sampajanya is, you know, the magic uh, question that allows me to turn any situation I'm in into a situation of practice. So not, I need for my practice this, 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 this to be in place. Sorry you're not part of my practice. you know, can't have any dealings with you anymore. But instead, how can I turn the situation I'm in into a situation of practice? How can I stop losing time when I practice? By turning the situation I'm in mean into a situation of practice, rather than demanding that the situation change so that I continue my practice in the ways I like. You know, Many of us, and this is, what, this is one of the, the, the dark sides of individualism, Uh, and we're all part of individualist uh, upbringings and societies and a a general gist of culture that favors individualism. Uh, The dark side of this is isolation, and with isolation, meaninglessness. And another dark side of it is control. I make demands before I talk with the universe about me growing up, you know. I make demands, and I try to wangle things, and I try to manipulate. And if I don't get, I, I become angry, or I become sulking, or I become accusatory and blaming. The second part of that third Sampajjanya asks us to do precisely the opposite. It asks us to do, say, to basically bow into this and say, what can be learned here? How can I practice under these conditions? What are the things that this situation I'm in right now asks for as virtues to be developed? Maybe it's not samatha. Maybe it's not comfort. Maybe it's not getting things as you like and deepening things at a safe edge, which I had decided for myself. Maybe it's something else, patience. Non reactivity, soberness, receiving feedback I may not want to hear. Maybe it's not even quite clean, you know, and yet there is more than a grain of truth in it. So, not closing off possibilities for learning and practice by holding the vision of practice and meditation of the path too narrow. So, please don't disown your friends. Don't um, do slash and burn in your social life. Uh, even if somebody out there still may occasionally drink a beer or not yet be converted to uh, militant veganism or so. Um, be kind and f- ask yourself what can be learned wherever I am. Maybe this situation needs changing, but even in situations that need changing, uh, often there's something for us to be learned. Very much in this vein, I wanted to go back to what some of you already have heard of me. It's the, a little text. <clears throat> it's the story of the bamboo acrobat, the Seda Kasuta. a little gem tucked away somewhere in the Sutta Nipata. And those of you who have been here longer will remember I think I used it at the end of the first group who left after two weeks it's a beautiful little piece of text it's about uh, two two acrobats one probably a girl uh, one assumes a, a, a young uh, pre-adolescent girl and somebody she refers to as her master and these are very humble people They they do Uh, tricks uh, and travel the villages. Remember the days before TV and smartphones made entertainment ubiquitous. Um, Entertainment was the privilege of rich people. You You needed quite some money to have your own theater group or to have your hunting ground or your pleasure palace. So entertainment was appreciated and they were wandering entertainers traveling the villages. Um, I know. I don't know whether this has happened in this country. I would expect it must have. Um, I know it has happened over in Europe as, as long as we can think of, uh, right from Roman days. We know of wandering entertainers. Um, so these two people, the <coughs> Chandalavamsikas, uh, were probably such entertainers, and the story is. Uh, um, has a narrative frame. It's the Buddha speaking to his monks about this bamboo acrobat. Let me just read it to you. This is Andy Olensky's translation. Um, another thing. The the bamboo acrobat has the unflattering name of meda katalika, which means um, something like frying pan, which you will tell me is not a really pretty girl's name. Uh, I uh, thought that this girl received its name probably from um, the type of equilibri... Equi, equilibri... equilibri... <laughs> equilibriism, it did. Uh, the idea is that the uh, the master, probably the, the one expects a middle-aged gentleman, um, having a bamboo pole and this bamboo pole is probably either here on the chest or probably on the forehead and one expects him to stand firmly uh, holding this pole upwards and the girl probably hopping via his knees and shoulders onto the pole climbing up and I believe she gets her name from the fact that she is horizontal, that she in some way Uh, seems to place herself horizontally, that's, that's, I gather, where the frying pan image comes from. Basically, uh, the Indian version of planking. So, the Buddha refers to these bamboo acrobats. Once upon a time, a bamboo acrobat, setting himself up with his bamboo pole, addressed his assistant, Mede Kathalika. Come you, dear mede and climbing up the pole via standing up my shoulders. Okay, master, the assistant uh, mede replied to the acrobat and climbing up the pole, she stood on the master's shoulders. I don't think this is actually an accurate translation. I think it's the other way around. She starts with his shoulders and goes up the pole. So then the bamboo acrobat said this to his assistant mede You look after me, dear mede and I'll look after you. Thus, with us looking one after another, guarding one another, we'll show off our craft, receive some payment, and safely climb down the bamboo pole. This being said, the girl assistant said to her acrobat master, that will not do at all, master. You look after yourself, and I will look after myself. Thus, with each of us looking after ourselves, guarding ourselves, will show off our craft, receive some payment, and safely climb down the bamboo pole. That's the right way to do it. So, story is easy. He suggests, you know, you look after me, and I look after you, and this way we looked after both. She, and this is highly unusual, uh, disagrees with him and says, No, I look after myself, you look after myself, and thereby we both be looked after. The Buddha now agrees with the girl. Just like the assistant said to her master, I will look after myself, so should you monks practice the four establishments of mindfulness. So far, so good. So the Buddha sides with the girl. Then he doesn't stop siding with the girl. He said, you should also practice the establishment of mindfulness by saying, I will look after others. Looking after oneself, one looks after others. Looking after others, one looks after oneself. Yeah. So he has a very nice little uh, dialectic twist, what seem to be mutually exclusive statements. The teacher suggesting that both look after the respective other, the girl suggesting that both look after themselves would be the right approach, and the Buddha agreeing with the girl. But then, rather than leaving it at that, he uh, takes it one further and suggests that by looking after oneself, also one looks after others. And adding that by looking after others, also one looks after oneself. So he completely turns the notion of self and other on the head in a beautiful dialectic way. Uh, And how does one look after others? By looking after oneself. Then he suggests by practicing mindfulness, by developing it, by doing much of it. There's other translations of this. The word is um, asevanaya, by following it. Perseverance would be another word. bhavanaya, by developing it. And bahulikama uh, meaning to do it a lot. So, by not giving up easily. So this is how By practicing oneself, one looks after others. One protects and guards others by practicing oneself. This is not just, you know, do-good altruism. This is very hands-on. If you look after your own mess, uh, all the guys around you whom you care for and love will have a lot easier ride with you. If you're willing to own up your own hang-ups, if you're pulling your weight, if you're addressing your own mind's um, a degree of unawakening. Yeah? If we are working with ourselves, then we make uh, being with us easier. That's very straightforward. Yeah? That doesn't take much explaining. Um, if I'm willing to acknowledge my reactivity or my fears or my, uh, my my control attempts, then it's a lot easier to work with me. Even if I lose my game occasionally, um, if I can acknowledge my faults, it's possible and affirm that i want to work with them it's a lot easier for my fellow human beings to be with me because they say okay you know he's lost it but you know i've lost it uh, so he seems to be insightful um, let's 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 move on you know he sees this as a fault he doesn't justify he doesn't rationalize he doesn't blame me for it <laughs> yeah. so Looking after one's own practice and the development of mindfulness by perseverance, by development, and by making much of it is a way how we look after others. And how does one look after oneself? By looking after others. And now come four other qualities, by patience, by forbearance, that's kanti, by uh, harmlessness, avihingsaya, non-hurting, non-harming, by loving-kindness, by care. Metachitayata, very clearly loving, friendly, and by caring for others. That's the, an old word, anuda-dayata, It's an old word for compassion. So we look after ourselves. If we look after others in patient ways, in non harming ways, in loving ways and in caring ways. Thus, looking after oneself, one looks after others, and looking after others, one looks after oneself. In a way, this is, um, you know, this is a summary of both inside practice and Buddhist ethics. It's uh, balancing uh, the values of individualism and altruism. The Buddha, in siding with the girl, stipulates the sequence that we need to look after ourselves before we start to look after others. If we uh, try to clear up somebody else's mess instead of addressing our own mess, then this will not be very convincing. If if we're trying to help others without being able to help ourselves, then this is also not maybe not convincing, but even if it is convincing, it is not very sustainable. So we need to be able to look after ourselves. Um, And I think that's why the Buddha sides with the girl. In so far as he says, you need to start here. The locus of practice is here. It is this mind that holds both the power for awakening, understanding, for the Brahmaviharas, but also for confusion, conflict, um, carelessness. It's this mind here. You cannot make systems better than the people. That are inhabiting this system, you know. The revolution starts inside out, not outside in. I dug up the Chinese version of the story, and um, it has a, it's a slightly different. I'd like to um, read it to you. It's short enough. On time, the Buddha was traveling in the land of the Kosalans, in Sedaka village, to the north of Senshu Woods. At the time, the Blessed One said to the monks, once there was an acrobat who said to his pupil, climb up the pole and care and take care of me. I'll be down below. I too will take care of you. Thus, taking care of one another will freely perform our show and earn much money. So we see a few things have changed. Um, the girl has disappeared. Um, uh, money seems to pay, pay a greater role here. And... Uh, the village is still the same. Uh, Senshu must be Sumba, the, the, the little town of Sumba. Then the pupil said to the acrobat, "It's not as you say. Rather, we should each take care of ourselves. Thus, we'll freely perform our show and earn much money. We'll each be safe and secure." The master replied, "As you have said, we should look. As you have said, we should look after ourselves." But the right principle or the right meaning is also as I said. For when we protect ourselves, we protect the other. And when we protect the other, and we also protect ourselves. When the mind protects itself by cultivation, by pursuit and realization, this is called protecting oneself, one protects others. And how is it that by protecting others, one protects oneself? By not frightening others? By not violating others, by not harming others, by having loving kindness and compassion towards them, this is called protecting others. One protects oneself. Therefore, you should train thus, protecting ourselves. We will cultivate the four bases of mindfulness. Protecting others, we will cultivate the four bases of mindfulness. Good. Um, you see the this version of the story. The uh, Insightful dialectic twist is attributed to the master, not to the Buddha who narrates the story. Uh, but the major gist uh, is is there, is, is there, as in the Pali. So we uh, only just recently found his text and uh, I'm pleased to see a Chinese version of it. Yeah. So I'll hang them both up so that you can have another look at it if you wish and you will write down the reference. As for today, I suggest you kind of sample your state of heart and return gently and caringly to things that help you widen, stabilize, soften, and acknowledge. Just acknowledge the goodness. Think of how much effort and good intention you have applied to practice over the last weeks. I would like you really to savour this and the goodness of which you're part of here, even though you may not know most of the people, the goodness of these people, their heartfulness, their presence, their inspiration, uh, it is something that gives tremendous respect to see people practice. You don't need to like people, you don't need to agree with all their opinions and as soon as you have somebody else, you will generally have somebody to disagree with, Uh, but just their presence and their willingness to apply themselves touches the heart very deeply. And in many ways, this is some of the most precious aspect of a retreat. The teaching will probably not get forgotten. Uh, The talks are recorded, um, but the group will be dissolving. So sample and hold these people dear. Uh, Practice some metta and some appreciation a sweet appreciation of what you what you all mean to each other by simply being here, by coming back hour after hour, by practicing and by um, releasing, being willing to release others from our concepts, from our perceptions. So I would like to suggest that this is what you do today. Um, and tonight, if you are interested, come round. we'll be doing some chanting and probably a sort of a circular sharing round. If if you want not to be part of this, this is perfectly all right. I'll be here until tomorrow midday. Uh, whoever is left tomorrow, I'll be sitting here at six and at 8.30. I know people are moving out throughout the day. I'll be just here and we'll just sit together, those of us who are uh, left behind. Yeah. Let's uh, sit for 15 minutes and then we disband.